disoriented. Disoriented. That seems to be the word of the day. I hear it from so many people. I was just talking to two people, two different people yesterday where that was the issue. Just this feeling of kind of difficulty connecting with purpose, losing touch with their purpose, feeling tired. And especially in this time of shutdown, you know, where you've got this quarantine going on, I see many people I'm finding are, are having this experience of disorientation. Um, it, it cuts across the reasons that people are working, right? It kind of starts to break them up. If you're trying to establish yourself in a career, that's being kind of cut in half. Or if you're trying to uh, do some good in the world, accomplish some good in the world, that, the, that's being cut. Or if you're just trying to put bread on the table, your ability to do that is being cut. So you have people in quarantine just walking around wondering, you know, I don't even know what day it is. Sometimes they say, I, I'm not sure which, which day I'm at here. So this disorientation is affecting us as the shutdown takes away group activities, takes away um, our connections with different people. I want to try to help us with this this morning because God has given us a gift, something to address disorientation in our lives, whether there's a shutdown happening or not. He's given us a, a very special way to address it. And it's something called Sabbath. So please stand as you're able with me as I'm going to read from a passage from Colossians chapter 2. We are in the midst of the uh, letter of Colossians now. I'm going to be reading beginning in verse 13 from the ESV version. If you uh, want to follow along there, I'm going to be reading verses 13 through 17 again of Colossians chapter 2. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink, or with regard to a festival, or a new moon, or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Okay. Please be seated. So as Paul brings up in, uh, the Sabbath in this verse 16 in this passage, you know, we think back on where it comes from. And of course, it comes from the law of Moses. And the law of Moses is supposed to be telling people, certainly at that time, how they should live. And what we find through time is that some things change from the Old Testament law and some things do not change. Some things keep going and some things don't keep going. So you notice that in the law of Moses, there's a prohibition against shellfish. Like don't eat shellfish is very clear. But we don't talk about doing that nowadays. We don't say, oh, don't eat shellfish. 
um, unless you're allergic to it, like I am. But if you are, aren't, you can eat shellfish. It's something that's different. Why? Because history has changed. There have been changes in history because the covenants have changed. And so this thing has changed. And yet there are other things that don't change. And the things that don't change, we could call the moral law. The moral law, those are summarily, the moral law is summarily comprehended in the Ten Commandments. And we understand the Ten Commandments as, uh, as codifying for us something that's true, that God's will for people in all times and places, both in the time that it was given, before it was given, and after it's given, even to today. So when Cain raised up and killed Abel, his brother, that was wrong. And Cain knew that it was wrong because that was part of the moral law. And that was long before Moses ever you know, walked down the mountain with those two tablets in his hands uh, with the Ten Commandments, giving the Ten Commandments. That was long before that, yet it was wrong. It was something that was still wrong then, still wrong today. But at the same time, we have things that change. And so, for example, in the law of Moses, the punishment for committing adultery was to stone someone. If you, if you were a man who committed adultery, you were stoned to death. Now, is adultery still wrong today? Yes. Does it still cause incredible amount of damage in the lives of people who are involved? Yes. Is God still justly upset with adultery? Yes. Should we stone people for committing adultery? We'd say no, because now we're in a different covenant. We're in a different time in history. God has a different covenant with us now at this time. So historical changes take place. Different covenants go on. Some things change. But some things do not, this moral law. So when we look at the Ten Commandments, this, this codification of the moral law, the fourth commandment is somewhat unique. The fourth commandment is honor the Sabbath. And God tells people what they should be doing in regard to a particular day. And so he tells the Israelites, six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. In it, you shall not do any work. You, your son, your daughter, your manservant, your maidservant, your cattle, or the sojourner who is within your gates. So he tells them that these, this, is, this is how you are to live. And he even tells them why. He tells them, well, this is why I'm giving you this commandment as part of the moral law. It's because in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the Sabbath. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and he haloed it. So this is the reason that God gives them and tells them why they should carry it out. So it shows you even in the beginning, presumably Adam and Eve, in imitation of God, would honor the Sabbath, would mark the day part of the moral law. And friends, this is the key to you addressing your disorientation that you get sometimes in regard to your work. This is the key that God has given us, is to understand that the Sabbath is part of 
the moral law, that it's a moral thing. It's part of that Ten Commandments that he's given us to address it. And so it's still true today. But there's something about the Sabbath that is uniquely argument-causing. It causes arguments. It causes problems and difficulties and, and ambiguity. Even from the beginning, when it was first, from the first time it came out, there were problems causing, caused by it. And it's just something about the nature of it, just because it's something about a day, just the nature of the commandment, it causes ambiguities. Like, how do I mark the day? What things should I be doing on the Sabbath? What things shouldn't I be doing on the Sabbath? It's always been part of it. There's been this internal kind of debate that, that comes with the commandment. And even uh, you move forward, flash forward to, to the time of Jesus Christ. And the time, it turns out that the Sabbath is something so important to the Gospels. Because Jesus gets into these arguments with the Pharisees. And if you look at what the arguments are about over and over again, a lot of the time, maybe even most of the time, it's about the Sabbath. The Pharisees are arguing with Jesus Christ about what he should be doing or shouldn't be doing on the Sabbath. In fact, you could go through, read through the Gospels, you, count up, you can count up 11 different occurrences, 11 different separate times where the Sabbath is the thing at issue. When, there, when there's an argument between Jesus and the Pharisees. Seven, 11 different times. It's just the nature of the thing. It's the nature of the commandment. It's just, it just kind of has this argument within it. This debate within it. Flash forward another 2,000 years to my marriage. Okay? And what do we find? That my wife, I've been married 30 years, and we have had arguments uh, a number of times, repeatedly, about what we should be doing on Sunday, how we should mark the day. And, you know, in the midst of these arguments, it's hard for me to escape the feeling that, you know, we're just kind of continuing the arguments between the Pharisees and Jesus in our marriage. <laughs> it's still going on, the same argument. And the reason that we're arguing about it is because we consider it part of the moral law. Because it's important to us. If, and I guess if, you know, we didn't think it was part of the moral law, then it, we didn't think there was a moral to it, then we wouldn't be arguing about it, right? We'd be like, whatever, so whatever, you know? Who cares what we do or what we don't? <clears throat> and my, my wife, God bless her, she has at times submitted under protest. Because, you know, we had to decide what we're doing as a family, right? We had to do something. And so there have been times when she has said to me, you know, okay, so we'll enact your view, Sam, but it's not what I would do. So I think we're arguing about it is at least on the right course because we're taking it seriously. We need to argue about it. We need to think it through. And that is why, friends, it does not surprise me at all that this is part of the problem at Colossae. It's, not, part, it's not, not surprising to me at all. This is what comes up as something that Paul, even, in brief, even briefly, needs to address in his letter to the Colossians, that it comes up again. Because it's part of the argument. 
And it's something that when Paul is writing his letter to the Colossians, he's trying to address in addressing the bad teaching there. And if you look at verse 16, note with me that Paul is not saying, don't celebrate the Sabbath. Don't mark off a day. But what he's saying is, you shouldn't let anybody pass judgment on your celebration of the Sabbath. You see that in verse 16? He says, he's not saying don't celebrate the Sabbath, but he's saying you shouldn't let someone pass judgment on your, on, on your, the way that you celebrate the Sabbath. Because, he says, verse 14, the legal demands of the law are set aside. You see what he's saying? We're not in that same covenant anymore. In the covenant of Moses. So the legal demands of the law are set aside. That's why you shouldn't let someone judge you about this. And secondly, verse 15, Jesus Christ is contradicting the systems of this world. Jesus Christ is contradicting all the authorities of this world, all the ways in which we have, all the rules that we have. Jesus Christ, in his gospel, turns them upside down, turns them over. So yes, Paul says, celebrate the Sabbath, but do it in a way that gets at the principle of Christ in it. So that's what I want to talk to you about this morning, spend a few minutes talking about the principle of the Sabbath. What is that? What is the principle of the Sabbath? Of that, what's moral about it for us? Why has God given it to us, as Jesus said, made it for us? Well, what we do in our tradition here, in the Reformed tradition, is, is say, well, we take one day in seven and mark that day. And the, way we ex- the reason we express it that way, one day in seven, it's not, it's not actually even important which day it is, one day in seven, is because we noticed that the Christians, when they started to try to take this and have this uh, work this out in their lives, they switched the day. You know, because the Jews always celebrated the Sabbath on a Saturday from time immemorial, what we noticed is that the early Christians started celebrating and, and worshiping, taking their day, marking their day on a Sunday. And even in the New Testament, you see this expression, the Lord's Day. They started celebrating on that day because they said, this is the day that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And so we're going to mark this day, make this day separate. And so we take that and say, well, the particular day is not important. And that's, I think that's significant for those of you who are finding that you need to work on, the, on Sundays. You should know that you're not doing something morally wrong. I know I have counseled with some of you. It's like, I, I have this job. It just takes me in on Sundays. And I know you don't like it because it messes with your worship, right? Because generally Christians have agreed we meet on Sundays, you know, to, to worship. And so that's preventing you from doing that. And my counsel to you is, just so you know, you're not doing something morally wrong, but if you're trying to um, address that need in your life, start praying. Bring this to the Lord in prayer. Because he works powerfully for those who are trying to mark the day, trying to separate the day. And he, I've seen him do this with folks. He can change your situation if that's something that you you have a difficulty with. But whether you started on Saturday or ended on Sunday or, or you know, whatever you mark, some 24-hour period, doesn't, doesn't really matter. We say one day in seven. You make the day different. But, you know, even when we loosen up like that in the Reformed tradition, say this is what you need to do, we still argue about how to mark the day. 
So we still have arguments and debates about what it is you're supposed to do on the Sabbath. What's your, what are you not supposed to do? And very often with us, the, the argument in, uh, in reform circles is about whether you should have recreation on the Sabbath. About whether you should do things that um, constitute recreation, right? So the, the people who say no, they say That this is something that is, is frivolous. It's not what God intended. He intended us for to, do, to do works of mercy on the Sabbath, works of worship on the Sabbath, works of necessity. But not something like that, like taking recreation. People on the other side say that recreation is actually, actually recreation. It's actually a way in which God can renew us, bring renewal to us, rejuvenation. Part of this principle of the Sabbath. And so people argue about that. I'm going to make it simple for you, okay? Let me give you the principle. If you try to take all the things that the Bible says about the Sabbath, it says a lot. I'll tell you what I think the principle of the Sabbath is. Okay? Ready? Here it is. Here it is. Stop moving forward. It's a principle. Stop moving your life forward. Stop doing the things that, that, that are new for you, that bring you into a new place. And give the Holy Spirit the chance to rejuvenate you, to recreate you, to reorient you. You know, for the Holy Spirit to do that in your life, he needs, he needs the chance to do that. And that's what the Sabbath is about. It's about giving him the chance. So you go through the reasons that you might be working. The reasons you pursue your vocation or even your avocation. Why is it that you do it? Well, you might be doing it just to put bread on a table. Some of you say, well, the only reason I'm going to work is to put bread on the table. Because we need to have that, uh, that sustenance. The Sabbath is a time to remind you of where your sustenance comes from. Where your provision really comes from. Or if you say, well, I'm doing things in order to um, establish myself in the work, in the workplace. I'm doing this to advance my career. The Sabbath is a time to not identify yourself by your work. To say that you actually can be identified by something other than your work. Or you say, well, I'm doing my work because I really believe in what I'm doing. I'm trying to accomplish some good in the world. The Sabbath is a time to stop. The principle is... Let the Lord tell you that he's done the good work. He's actually accomplished the work in the world. And all these, all these act to renew you, to reorient you, to give you a time where you're not making a name for yourself. You're calling on his name. You know, the, uh, the, brief, the British Chief Justice, Sir Matthew Hale, he lived in the 17th century. And he was a marvel, you know. He was living in a time, he was a judge who was living in a time of great corruption in the court system in England. And so there was a lot of graft, a lot of uh, bribery, a lot of different ways that, you know, judges could show favoritism. And Matthew Hale stood out as one who, a, a real island of integrity during that time. And he wrote a certain amount of jurisprudence on marital law. 
And let me tell you, talk about influence. Talk about the effect of a man in his work. His, his jurisprudence on marriage law is still quoted even today, even as recently as 1993, uh, Matthew Hale, Sir Matthew Hale's jurisprudence on, on marriage law is used in a court case, even in our country. So you talk about someone who's had an incredible effect with his work. I mean, how, much, how many of us 400 years later or 500 years later, are, you know, our work is still having an effect, still influencing people? And Sir Matthew Hale was someone who is very much a proponent of honoring the Lord's day, of saying, taking, of taking a day, marking it as a Sabbath. And this is what he said, quote, this is Matthew Hale, quote, I have never passed the Lord's day well without it affecting the following week. When I celebrated the Sabbath well, prosperity attended me following so you hear what he's saying there. It's very ironic. The commandment is about stopping. The commandment is about stopping moving forward. And yet in that stopping, the Lord propels us forward. The Lord had propelled his life forward. This is the way that it works. So it, it, it stops. You stop your work, but you're renewed in the power of your work, in the influence of your work. So this is what I recommend to you today. As the principle to pursue. Stop moving forward. Give the, the spirit a chance to renew you. And when you do that, I, I got to say, in our day and age, you got to get creative. Because there are a lot of things working against you to do this. So you have to do this. You have to think this through and say, how does this fit with my situation? How do I do this in a creative way? You know, there was a doctor who lived... Um, he lived a while ago, but he was in a rural area and he was the sole physician of this place, of this area. And so it was very hard for him to stop his work, right? Because he couldn't really go off duty. He was the only doctor. So if they, somebody needed help, someone needed medical help, he had to be there. And he had a real problem because he said, I want to honor the Sabbath day. I want to honor the Lord's day. And I want, to, I want to be able to go to church. And he had real trouble going to church. So he said, I know what I'll do. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to arrange my life so that I will do my work for six days and I will charge for my services on the sixth day. But the seventh day, I'm going to make it for free. So you could get medical help for free on the seventh day. And that way, for me, it's a work of mercy. So you see, I'm saying, this is how I'm going to honor something. People understand this is holy, and, you know, so they'll respect that, and I'll get a chance to go back to, to church. And you know what actually happened? He found it was amazing. People got sicker on Sunday than all the rest of the days of the week. It's like he was busier on Sunday than any other days of the week. I wonder why. And they could come and they could get free medical help. And so people just seemed to just start getting sick on Sunday. So he still couldn't go to church. So he said, this isn't working. This is obviously not how to do it. <laughs> so what he did is he flipped. He actually reversed his policy. And he advertised this. He said, now I'm going to do my work for, for six days and charge for my services for six days of the week. On the seventh day, cost is doubled. So he said, I'm going to charge twice as much. So you can get help on, the, on, on Sundays, but it's going to cost you twice as much. You know what happened? He started being able to go to church again. <laughs> it worked. 
So what I'm saying is, you've got to figure out how it works with you, how you're going to make it, uh, how you're going to make it happen if you want to do this. And I'll tell you, you know, with families, we, my wife and I were just reminiscing how we did this with our, with our kids. You know, I was pretty adamant about this because I really wanted this, this ingrained in my children so they could be reoriented each week for their work. And so we'd had certain activities. You remember we had this, this family group activity where we went around and each week a different child would choose our family activity. So we would do something Sunday afternoon. Everybody had to do it together. And we went around. Each person had their choice of what they had to do, and other people had to do it. So we did uh, fun things like that. And, you know, I'm just giving you ideas here because, again, part of what verse 16 is saying is is that your conscience shouldn't be constrained about this. So I'm giving you ideas but what that means is if, if, you know, we're not here to tell you what to do, that means the responsibility is on you to figure out what to do. That means it's on you to try to understand, how do I do this in my life? How do I bring in this time of renewal, this reorientation that I need? And, uh, you know, for me, these days, I'll just tell you, you know what's so important for me is going off the screens. Uh, I, I just find that the screens are so ubiquitous in our lives, for our work, for our education. I just say, unless it's absolutely necessary, turn off the screens for Sunday, for my Sabbath. And you know why that works for me? I find that my best thoughts come, my best thoughts come when I introduce a little boredom into my life. You know? When I'm, when I'm actually bored, that's when actually some of my best thoughts about my life, about my work, come into my mind. And what's happening there? It's this renewal that we're talking about. It's ironic. Stop to move forward. This is what God has has to us. The Sabbath is about stopping, but it advances us. And so the principle that I would recommend to you for your lives is give the Holy Spirit a chance to rejuvenate you. Stop bringing new things in. For that time, honor the day. Now, what happens? What is, the Holy, what, is, what is the Holy Spirit actually doing on the Sabbath? What's the Holy Spirit's work in us on the Sabbath? And that's what verse 17 is about. Do you know all those arguments that, that Jesus had with the Pharisees? You go back and look. Do you see what he was doing? What he was doing was saying, the Sabbath is about me. In all the kind of crux of those arguments, what he was saying is the Sabbath is really about me. You know, it's, it's so funny the way people today say, oh, Jesus never intended people to worship him, and he never claimed to be God, he never claimed to be divine. I mean, it's, it's just a joke. You, you want to ask these people, have you ever read the New Testament? And you get into these arguments with the Pharisees with Jesus, and he's saying, basically, it's about me. <laughs> Who is this? I mean, it's, uh, it's pretty clear what he's saying. So what we do, what the Holy Spirit does, is take this rejuvenation, this reorientation, and reorients our work on Christ. Reorients our work on Christ. So go back to the reasons why you work, the reasons why you do get up on Monday morning, do the things that you do. 
For some of you, it really is put bread on the table. And, you know, I was just talking with the head of our deacons, Dick, uh, this morning. COVID has hit some of you hard. I mean, some of you who are, in, who are based in, in, in the knowledge-based economy, participating in that, maybe not as much. Some of you are more in a service-oriented uh, industries. COVID has hit you hard. You may be worried. Like, I'm worried about whether bread's going to be on the table. Sabbath gives you a time to, to hear Christ say, I'm your bread. You will be provided for. You will have provision Stop, be reassured on that. Or maybe you say, you know, I work because I'm trying to achieve some good in the world, like we said. Sabbath is a time to come and say, Jesus Christ has accomplished the good work. He said, it is finished. And you know what? He is the one on whose shoulders your task rests. He has broken the back of evil. He snapped it. So you get disoriented because you feel like, I don't know what I'm accomplishing. You know what we're doing, friends? We're, we're doing mop-up because he's already done the work. It's already accomplished. He's brought good into the world. And that good is going to pervade the whole world until the end when he comes and brings the whole consummation. Maybe you are working to make a name for yourself, to establish your career the Sabbath is a time, as Proverbs 18 says, to realize the name of the Lord is a strong tower. You can run to it and be safe. Sabbath is a time for, for you to receive the name of Christ on you. When you do that, it changes your work. It changes your work, just like Matthew Hale says for the rest of the week. I can tell you, friends, I started to try to honor this, try to, try to mark the day when I was in college. And I said, I'm going to go through my college career and I'm going to take one day in seven and it's going to be different. Sometimes that was hard to do. And sometimes I, I may have taken a, a lower grade. So all these exams pile up, you know, and people wanted to study. I said, I don't care. I, this is a kind of more important principle of my life I'm going to establish. And so maybe I'd, sometimes I did take a lower grade. But I'll tell you one thing. At the end of my uh, college time, after my senior year, I was given an award for the research I did by my department in which, in which I was studying. And it was kind of a great honor, you know, to get this award from this department. And I'll tell you, I attribute that to just my pattern over time of saying, I'm going to work and I'm going to take a Sabbath. So to me, that was Christ overturning the system of this world. So that even though I was working less, the work meant more. To me, that was verse 16. Christ has, has overcome, triumphed over the systems of this world. And that's the way he does. Friends, you do not get disoriented if you know Christ as your provision. You do not get disoriented if you know Christ has already accomplished the good. And you don't get disoriented if you let him name you rather than making a name for yourself. Amen. You know, one of the best things to do on a Sabbath, one of the best things to do to mark the day is to take the Eucharist. 
is that it's taking Christ and allows the Holy Spirit to do its work in you, his work in you, as you come forward. So I'm going to invite you to come forward now. Let's, let's come and receive all that Christ has done for us. Would you please stand?